Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association. I'm Dr. Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. Today is the 23rd of April 2017, and this programme examines how the legacy of the Great War has influenced popular and modern music across multiple genres, including pop music, opera and heavy metal. I spoke to Dr Peter Grant about his latest book, National Myth and the First World War in Modern Popular Music, published by Palgrave Macmillan. Peter is a cultural historian based at the Cass Business School, University of London. I started our conversation by asking Peter to tell us about himself and why he wrote his book on the First World War and contemporary music. Well, I've had an interest in the First World War going right back to my school days. I remember getting Little Hart's History of the First World War as a school prize back in the 1960s, when it was one of the few books about the war that you could get. Um, then after university, I actually worked in the arts for a while and then in sport and finally giving away lottery money. And I only became an academic about 10 years ago. Uh, But the First World War had always been an interest. I'm actually paid to teach a master's program in grant making and philanthropy. But I then did my doctorate uh, writing a thesis about philanthropy and charity during the First World War, which also became a book. Um, My interest in the arts has continued. I'm still an active music listener and concert goer. I'm uh, involved in music a little bit through being a trustee of the Amy Winehouse Foundation. And then in 2011, Polly Harvey's wonderful album, Let England Shake, came out. And Alex Petridis, the music critic of The Guardian, said something like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, Most of the songs are about the First World War. There aren't many songs in popular music about the First World War. So I sort of thought, well, I can think of a few. And so I started doing a little bit of research. I found a wonderful French website, um, which is about the topic. And there were lots of examples, particularly French ones there. And by the time I came to write the book, I'd found 1600 different songs, popular songs written about the First World War since the advent of rock and roll, roughly the late 1950s. But it still sort of needed a a, a theme to it. I mean, you could just write about the songs and uh, that wouldn't be very interesting. Uh, But one of the things that I started noticing was the way in which writers from different countries, and there are over 40 countries covered, uh, tended to see the war from very much the sort of lens of their popular national myths. So the British ones particularly back in the 60s and 70s, and still to a large extent, the folk songs or folk musicians today still look on it as that sort of bloody, futile um, mess of, of a war. The French are much more shall we say, pragmatic about it uh, and use it for very different reasons. The Americans tend to follow the British line. And looking further afield, we've got everything from, I don't know, Colombia to Latvia to Malaysia writing songs about it. They, they might not have particular popular myths, but a, but a very good contrast is between Canada and Australia. The Canadians seeing it as much more positive, the Australians rather more negative. So that's the background. That's fascinating. You know, 
from that 1600, are there a, are there particular countries which actually have a sort of um, which the First World War is the more dominant theme in amongst the music of, of of national writers? Inevitably, and the largest number of songs, possibly a little bit biased because I'm I'm actually in the UK, uh, are from England. There's about 450 from England, 300 from France, 250 from the USA, and then it comes down a bit to Canada and Australia, sort of around about 50 examples each. The losers from the First World War didn't write so much about it. The German songs are of particular genres and don't really have, I I would say, a a, a predominant national myth behind them. The Australian and Canadian ones are very interesting because of that that contrast. And and if you go to Canada or or Australia, you know, if you go contrast, say, going to the First World War Museum in Ottawa to going to the Australian National War Memorial, the experience is very different. And their songs tend to follow the same sort of pattern. And then, of course, you've got significant differences between genres as well. Having also looked at, I've also written about the classical music of, of both the period of the war and, uh, and and the period since. And I would say that in, in the end, I've said that songs fall into three categories. One, one is myth affirming, songs which just simply take the myth and say it's true. There's lots of songs about the Christmas truce that fit that pattern. The vast majority of what, what, I, what I've referred to as myth shaping Though they they don't accept the myth as entirely true, and they particularly use it to comment on current affairs. Now, that means that the first French songs that were being written by the great chansonniers like like, um, Georges Brassens and Leo Ferrer and um, Jacques Brel back in the 1950s and early 60s were actually often comments about the Algerian war. And then when Anglo-Saxon writers starting, started writing songs about it, um, for example, Bob Dylan, the Kinks, they were often referring to the Vietnam War rather than, they were utilizing the First World War as a metaphor for what was going on at the moment. And then more recently, we've had uh, a lot of songs from particularly extreme metal bands, which do start challenging the myth. And that comes into my third category of myth reshaping, actually challenging the myth and saying, no, it wasn't like this. Um, other things happened as well. And I can talk a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I have, do have to confess, listeners, that I am a closet heavy metal fan. And, and I've always liked the Iron Maiden and grew up with ACDC. In that particular genre, what, what is, who's, who's actually adopted the First World War as, as a key theme of their songs? Well, certainly Iron Maiden have written several. I mean, Passchendaele is probably their classic song. And there's a wonderful, please go online and look at the fantastic live version of that, where Bruce Dickinson starts off by reciting a piece of a Wilfred Owen poem dressed in World War I garb. I think he's actually wearing an Austro-Hungarian helmet and not a British one, though. And then the song is about the, the battle. But they do stay pretty much within the myth. It's It's a disaster. Young men go to their deaths, innocent young men go to their deaths, very similar to Lemmy in Motorhead's 1916. The bands that have challenged that more are the more extreme ones, and particularly from Britain, the um, veteran death metal band Bolt Thrower. And a lot of that's to do with their main lyricist and singer, Carl Willits. Uh, Carl is a graduate of um, the University of Birmingham, cultural studies rather than history. And he says he wants to put himself in the place of a soldier in the front line. And it doesn't say it was disastrous. It says it was terrible, led to to a lot of uh, misery and, and a lot of deaths. But it doesn't isn't judgmental. It just says what the war was like. And some of their great songs like For Victory or Cenotaph are, are very non-judgmental. And I think it's one reason why they're actually very popular with 
members of the armed forces that like heavy metal. Recently, Carl started a new band called Memoriam, which is even more sort of geared to, towards memory of the, the First World War, and they've just had a new album out. Uh, and there are, me- there are many other examples as well. The Swedish band Sabaton have... Uh, they're they're what's called power metal. It's very exciting their music with lots of um, sort of power chords and and choirs and things in the background of that. They've written about every sort of conflict. But I, one of the songs of theirs that I particularly like is Cliffs of Gallipoli, which sort of unlike some of the Australian songs, which rather says we were led to our deaths by incompetent commanders, says that people on both sides, British, French, Turkish, uh, all were in the same boat. Their, their songs are very interesting as well. When you actually look at how these songs have evolved, what impact do you think they have? Have they reinforced myths or have they challenged myths or are they merely a product of their time? I think it's very difficult to say that um, a four-minute pop song has had a real uh, influence on uh, society. So in the main, I would say they are a reflection of where current thinking is about the war. And, and they utilise those various ideas in different ways. But I think a couple, I'd pick out a couple, which maybe have gone a little bit beyond that. The first one is the American art metal band System of a Down. Now, all the band members are of Armenian extraction, and they feel very passionately about the Armenian genocide and have written several songs uh, about it, which are pretty unequivocal in the way that they condemn the Turkish government at the time and indeed the Turkish government today, today for not recognizing the genocide. Now, again, if you go online and look at um, their concert that they played in 2015, it was the first time they'd actually visited Armenia. And they played a free concert in uh, the main square in Yerevan. And just look at the young people that have gone along to that when they're singing about the genocide. And I think that is having an impact. That's having a very significant impact. And then the other song that I'd pick out, it's, you know, if I was told to pick just one song about the First World War, there's a song called The Valleys, and it's by an all-female rock band called Electrolane. Uh, they were from Brighton. They, they've disbanded now. And Verity Sussman, who was their main songwriter and keyboard player, wrote this song based on a Siegfried Sassoon poem. But it's not one of the famous anti-war poems that Sassoon wrote. It's actually uh, based on a poem called A Letter Home, which he wrote in the aftermath of the death of the man that he was in love with. And what he did, what um, Electrolane have done, is take that poem, cut it up, add an introduction and um, a conclusion. And the song is the band accompanied by a choir. And it's it's a simply staggering and brilliant song that reinterprets Sassoon's poetry for today. Uh, and I think it's a it's you know it would be my number one pick. Peter, where can people get the book from? Because it does sound absolutely fascinating. Um, sadly, being an academic book, um, it's published by Polgrave Macmillan at a ridiculous price, like sixty-five pounds or something. Um, so I would suggest that probably the best idea for most people is to go along to their local library and see if they can get it on interlibrary loan, which they should be able to do. It's also available as, a, as an e-book. So if you've got access to an academic library, you'd certainly be able to look at it there. Some of the ideas uh, I put in a book chapter, which is in a much more affordable book um, called Remembering the First World War, edited by Bart Zeno. And that covers both classical and popular music. Um, there's also a new book coming out, I think, in June. It's the Edinburgh Companion to the First World War on the Arts. 
Sadly, that's another you know, massively expensive book, but it covers all of the arts, including uh, a chapter by myself on popular music. Um, I should be doing a talk at the Imperial War Museum. Haven't got a date for that yet, but probably this autumn. And indeed, I'd be very happy to come along and talk to Western Front Association groups if they'd be interested. Peter, thank you very much for your time. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.